Gotham, a crazy podcast about DC, with your host E-Rock and PD, when we speak up, get your geeks up, cause you know you about to get geeked up, so sit back, relax, and get comfy, lose your mind like Solomon Grundy, and listen to a show that won't be forgotten, coming straight out of Gotham. In Themyscira, welcome to another episode of Straight Outta Gotham, episode 25. This is Jason Giambi episode. We are a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. I am your co-host from the home state of James Gandolfini. I am Peter M. Vera, and today we are recording on December 28th, 2020. And as always, we have a great show for you today. But before we get into the good stuff, I would like to remind you, all of our faithful listeners, that if you take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and we read your review on air, we will send you a special Straight Outta Gotham prize pack. Uh, this month's uh, contest winner will get a treasury-sized holiday issue uh, from Marvel Comics from 1976. Really cool stuff. The thing dressed up as Santa, the Hulk, and Thor as reindeer. So don't miss out on that. you got a couple days to enter in the contest uh, to win it. So please rate and review the show. Get in that. And uh, don't miss out. But now, let me introduce you to my co-host, the only man to walk across Wildwood Lake on stilts, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Holzman. Hello there, Peter. How are you? How are you? Tell me. So you, you and Jesus, the only two men to walk on water. What was that? What is that like? Well, I didn't walk on the water. I was on stilts, as you said. So I was a little bit above it. But um, it's an interesting experience to be above a body of water like that uh, without being in a plane. Or, you sound like you're modest. Uh, do, you, do you have the power of the gods in you, my friend? Who's appropriate for today? <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish I had the power of the gods because I would be making a lot of changes to a lot of things in my life. So it would be fun. I do not, though, unfortunately. I do not have that power. At least not yet. So we'll see what happens in the future. I don't know. Um, I would like to first uh, issue an apology. I would like to say I'm sorry to all of our listeners because episode 24 was supposed to be the last episode of the year. So we are officially liars. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We, it's kind of bad planning, I think on our part too, because we knew what we were going to talk about. We knew we were going to talk about what we're going to talk about today. I'm pretty sure we like, it was kind of a big deal. So I don't know why we said that last time, guys. Uh, <laughs> being quite honest, I'm not really sure why we made that statement, but we did. But again, we're lying, and you get us again before bonus episode, the bonus episode of 2020. Yeah, and let's be honest, uh, we try to entertain you guys. And 2020, we could use the entertainment, all the entertainment we can get. So that's what we're here for. Um, but really quickly. Today is also a uh, special birthday of someone who passed, but of someone who pretty much we might not be talking right now uh, mm. if not for him. So it would it would have been Stanley's ninety eighth birthday, right? Yes, Stanley would have been ninety eight um, years old. Yes, so creator of Marvel Comics, um, Spider Man, the Hulk. I mean, yep. the, the Fantastic Four. It goes on and on. Him and. Mr. Kirby created so many wonderful, wonderful characters that we all love and enjoy and really, you know, drive us to talk about the things we talk about, even though we are, you know, Batman fans, 
it's safe to say that uh, we wouldn't be the fans we are today without Mr. Lee. No, I think that's you know a great way to put it. Even though again, like we are heavily DC slanted. Um, you know, you you love Spider Man. I like Spider Man. I'm a huge uh, fan of um, Marvel comics in general, X Men, everything. Uh, so, you know, it's it's how many years ago did he pass? Was it last year or? 2018 oh, uh, it's it's it is very recent I, yeah this yeah, year is longer than most so i can't even actually give you <laughs> yeah i'm not sure when it was i might have been last year but i mean we kept getting pop-ups from him november 12 2018 okay so two years ago yeah but we kept getting pop-ups of him for in the mcu films mm-hmm. uh and he was even in teen titans go which was um Pretty pretty damn funny that appearance that he had in that movie, a DC film that had Stan Lee in it. Uh, uh, there's not many people who are bigger than the game, you know, Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan, Stan Lee. Those those are kind of the big yeah. three when it comes to yeah, pretty much they are bigger than the game. Yep. So, uh, man, happy birthday in heaven, Stan. You know, thanks for giving us because um, you're definitely in heaven. If anyone is in heaven, you're one of the guys there. And thanks for giving us all these great characters and and for really building help building this this huge multi-billion dollar industry so very very much a happy birthday to you enough said yes so moving on to the more poignant topic the more the bigger reason why we're here on christmas day as promised uh dc and warner brothers released wonder woman 84 a film that we know had been pushed back numerous times because of the pandemic uh, we finally got the release of Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas Day. According to all metrics, it looks like it did excellent, uh, both streaming and in theaters. And that's the part that I like to focus on because I was one of the ones who paid and went and go, go excuse me, went to see it in the movie theater on Christmas morning. Uh, it was part of a real hectic day for me, but I would, there was no way in hell I wasn't going. And uh, it was really cool just to be there in the movies, watching this film and, and seeing it the way it was intended. Uh, for me, anyway, they had a real pretty decent crowd. Uh, I was surprised at that. And because it was Christmas, I thought maybe people would be going later after all the festivities later at night, which they might have, but it had an 11 a.m. showing and they had a pretty good crowd. So, How many people would you say were in the theater? Well, it's only 25% capacity um, allowed. Mm-hmm. And I was in kind of, a, I would say a mid-sized theater, not one of the huge ones, not the very small boutique ones, but kind of like a nice medium size. And I would say for, if for the 25%, I would say um, out of the 25%, I would say about, probably about 75% full for, for the 25%. Okay. Okay. That was allowed. Yeah. All right, not so bad. yeah, so I was really um, surprised at that. And again, cause it also was on Christmas morning. So a lot of people, you know. Uh, open gifts on Christmas morning or they have a big breakfast or, you know, they have, they go and see family that they, you know, people, a lot of people go to see different parts of family, but again, I think the pandemic probably held some of that back as well. So uh, that was just a real quick um, for me, just a really quick thing about the theater experience. So Pete, when did you watch it on Christmas? I, this is funny. Cause like on Christmas morning, uh, I intended to watch it then, but like just everything after Christmas, I kind of got tired. I ended up taking like a power nap. Mm-hmm. So I ended up watching it around like, and then just festivities and dinner. Like for, it, it was, it was always on the agenda, but for some reason it just kept getting pushed back and back. So we watched it. It was me, my mom, my brother. And we, you know, after dinner, so we probably watched it around like nine 30. 
Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we, you know, we all really enjoyed it. Uh, it was, I, I'm looking forward to probably seeing it in a theater. Uh, I think I might see it in a theater. I might just give it a couple of days. So the rush kind of dies down, you know, this way it doesn't have even the, the opening rush that right. it would have. So I'll wait till there's probably uh, a few less people, but, uh, I do plan on seeing a theater, but, uh, I have no issues. Uh, watching it at home. I, I do want to ask you though, when you went to the theater, were concessions open? Yeah, concessions are open. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's less than what they normally have. Like they used to have many more offerings. They don't have as many. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, I did the pre-ordering one. Okay. So I ordered when I ordered my tickets. So I paid for everything at once, and then you get there, just pick it up and go sit down. Okay. Now that- I wasn't sure if people were going to take their masks off and eat at the at in the movie theater or whatever. I was just curious about that. Yeah, every movie I've been to so far since I mean I say like like I've been to seventy. I've only been to three since, <laughs> since theaters have been open in August. And every um every one people have been having their concessions. So okay, um, but well, yeah, that, that's big for the theater. That's how they make their money. Yeah, they don't make it on ticket sales. They make it on concessions. So yeah, so it's slowly coming back to normal. Obviously, we have the vaccine that's out there now. We have two of them. So hopefully slowly but surely the vaccine will do its job and we can start going to see movies again in the theater, especially these big tentpole ones, because um, I get, I'll say this now. I did watch it again at home on a 55 inch screen, so it was still a nice size, but it's nothing like seeing it, obviously, a movie like this and with the scope on I'm the sure, big screen. I'm sure seeing it in certain scenes like the opening scene on Themyscira just look absolutely incredible on a on a huge screen, so. Yes. So let's start there, Pete. Let's start with the opening um, scene, the opening sequence of Themyscira. Now, Wonder Woman, you hear her, uh, she's narrating something, and then you see her in her childhood. So go ahead and explain what you what was that um, scene like for you? And I mean, for me, it's just like, uh, I, I look, I generally, I like the movie. Um, I'm kind of surprised it's getting a, getting a lot of heat. Uh, so you know, from start to finish, the movie just kind of really captivated me. And a lot of that had to do with this opening scene in Themyscira, just the grandness of Paradise Island and watching the, you know, these Amazon Olympics take place in this, this arena, you know? Uh, and it's just, I was just in awe of all of it. And um, to see young Diana, uh, little Lily, I believe her name is Lily, just to see her act her ass off, like, just amazing she was incredible she's so incredible in that role and then you find out like in various posts by patty jenkins that she did all her own stunts she had no stunt double so everything you see her doing she's doing (laughs) she's in the water she's riding the horse she climbed that thing that's all real i was like i was really impressed uh that that was great i mean just and it it teased a little a few things like you see the the one amazon just kind of spider-manning across the arena and you're like okay foreshadowing you know and you get the golden armor and, and the lesson from um, Robin Wright and Hippolyta at the end of the race. And that kind of goes forward throughout the movie t- to the very end. And it, it, I me to me personally, I, I loved it. I really did. I was just in awe of uh, Themyscira as a whole. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, that When I first saw the film, that was my favorite part of the entire movie. It's interesting um, that it's arguably the best scene in the movie. You know, like, yeah, it's just you're just wow. You know, the jaw just drops. Yeah, it was good to see her because she obviously played Wonder Woman in the I mean, Little Diana in the first one. Mm-hmm. It's the same actress. It was good to see her older and the growth of her 
character at as we saw from the first film and she still looks um, young. It's like she does. I hope Asher Angel hasn't aged too much for Shazam <laughs> too. Because she still looks pretty young. Yeah, she's she's awesome, man. Like I it's Ten years a, old. Yeah. The, for someone that age to the emotion to emote like she does and it's very she's very very good especially in this this role so that part was awesome again like you said seeing robin right back as um what's it called anti anti yeah anti and then connie nielsen of course is a palata seeing them back uh was great and as we know we're supposed to be getting right an amazon film or show or mm-hmm. So that's it was good to see them and I started my I started thinking about that again like oh yeah we're going to see them again in that in that Amazon and that really spiked my interest for that like I wasn't really like all right I I, I was kind of like teetering like am I interested in this do I really care that much about the Amazons outside of Diana like it, it's cool to see them in bits and pieces like I think they were in this movie the perfect amount of time but I did question like what would would I have that much interest in in Amazon movie you know and just right. seeing this is if this is the stuff that 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 movie or that TV show can deliver, then yeah, like I'm really interested. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to that, to get seeing more of that now. Um, I'm wondering what they're going to do. Like I think about what the, how they're going to go about it and what stories they're going to tell, but I'm in to see what, whatever the creatives come up. If with they there. explore like Greek mythology and just right. Zeus, Hercules, uh, you know, those, the gods, then they could do a lot of things. There's a lot of material there outside right. of just Diana Prince. So we go from there, uh, we fast forward, right? We fast forward to 1984. And we're in, of course, now I'm a little older than you, so the mall in the 80s was the thing to do. Well, I mean, I live in New Jersey. It's Before the pandemic, it still was the thing to do. <laughs> Jersey's known for their malls. so That's like, a good point, yeah. It, 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 it hasn't changed much outside of wardrobe and hairstyle, to be brutally honest, but. Right, which we got a lot of in a very, I don't want to say campy, because I didn't think it was campy, but a very, um, let's say, bloated 1984 mall. Uh, it's a robbery. The guys all dress like with the members only jackets and they <laughs> they have the weird 80s hairstyles. Um, yeah, I mean, for me. The 80s angle of this movie wasn't necessarily the fact that it took place in the 80s. And I, I feel like Patty Jenkins wanted to make a move, make a movie that was a love letter to the 80s. Like this, this felt like an 80s movie to me. Like I got vibes of Superman 2. I got vibes of Indiana Jones, you know, like Lethal Weapon, like stuff like that. Those, those action films of the 80s are kind of what I got from this movie as a whole. Like when people ask me about like, what did you think? Well, I was like, well, for me personally, it's Superman two, Indiana Jones sprinkled with wonder woman 77 on the top. Like that's how I describe this film. And I think that's kind of what Patty was doing. So like, I know some people said it wasn't eighties enough for them, but I'm watching it and I'm like, Oh, this is so, I feel like I've seen these scenes, scenes similar to this, you know, like when she's in Cairo, that seems like a very Indiana Jones 80s scene. The yeah. mall scene seems very R- Richard Lester, Superman two, not necessarily Superman three, but it seems very Superman two. Like when the, the Kryptonians are fighting, it's not as crazy as the opening scene in Superman three. I've heard people compare it to that. I don't think it's that insane. I, I lean more towards Superman two. Yeah. I mean, those are fair comparisons. I've heard those same comparisons as you've heard as well. And I would say I'm more in line with your thinking. 
I definitely, I love the mall scene, by the way. Um, you get to see all of Wonder Woman's power, right? Like you, that's the first, I mean, we saw it in the first film, but this time she's more mature. You could tell she's been using her powers longer and it's a little more polished. She's doing different things. Right, right. Um, all the lasso work mm-hmm. in the entire movie, by the way, all the lasso work is awesome, but it yeah, was I, very- Yeah, I had no problem with it. And, you know, some people complained it was too Spider-Man-like. They got tired of seeing it. I, I, I appreciated how different her combat style was. You know, a lot of a lot was made that she's not wearing she's not wielding the shield and the sword, but you can see that how that's part of like the transition from that's part of like the sixty-six year gap, right, between Wonder Woman yeah. one and Wonder Woman two. She's evolved, she's using her lasso to deflect bullets, still using her bracelets, but she's using her speed more. She's She's not necess- she's a warrior but she's a little bit more stealthy and aware of her surroundings. She's not as brutal like you know like in Wonder Woman or the original movie she's crashing through windows and she's she, the, the fight choreography is great. It's just it's a little different here. And again, I feel like that goes with the 80s vibe that Patty was trying to do. Well yeah, I mean like you said in we mentioned the TV show before, the Wonder Woman TV show and she doesn't really use a sword and a shield in that show. So no. yeah, it's and- all lasso work. Lasso, the running felt very 77 yep. to me, you the know, like, and it feels like, you know, Patty said it numerous times how Donner has inspired her. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure she was a big fan of Superman too, because let's be honest, we all know the drama behind that movie. I and mean, everyone loves it. There's not many people who don't like it. Maybe Justin Kowalski. He doesn't like Superman movies. Um, <laughs> I think, I think he he's like, more the first one. Yeah. Uh, I, I know he doesn't like Superman, the movie, but um, yeah. Justin's great. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you, you could tell the movies that influence you, not just the movies, but just the stuff that this movie takes inspiration from. Like it's a love letter to that era of movies. And we all know Patty loves wonder woman. That's why she's directing it. And 77 was a big part of that. And that's where I think kind of the campiness comes from. It's, it, it, right. it works for me. It it does. I, I, I don't have much issue with it. The one thing she does that, it was very much from the 70s show was the, the tiara, tossing the tiara. Oh, it was great. And yeah, how that, she used it to conceal her identity still. Yes. You know? Yeah. And she's, uh, that, she gives a little shush to, to the little girl who um, very well might uh, be uh, Penny McGill. Uh, not Penny, P- Penoni. I can't pronounce her name. She ends up, uh, she was debuted in the 77 special, mm-hmm. 75th special. Uh, my numbers are all mixed up uh, in uh, 2016. Uh, star blossom so it might be a, a little nod to that character which was cool and you know it's just a lot of people seem to question you know who is this mysterious heroine who has saved us blah mm. blah blah and I, that's kind of cool to me that you know even in the beginning of the movie when she kicks the car running at super speed like no one sees her you know right so it's that stuff is fun how she's trying to work in secret and not trying to expose herself yes and so the opening, like I said, the opening, I want to say it's probably what the open 40 minutes of the film mm-hmm. is, is those two scenes, give or take. Yeah, maybe and then we, we learn, we meet Barbara. Right. And then we meet Barbara uh, Minerva, who we all know become Cheetah. But right now she's just this little, um, what was she, a bunch of ologists. <laughs> she is a museum expert. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, she, she lists all of her credentials, but right now I, I'm not, one of them is gemologist though, which is important for this film, obviously. And we'll get to that in a minute, but one of them is um, gemologist. And the very first time we see her, 
she's this little nondescript, nobody notices me type character who, and Pete, you would know better than me. That's kind of a break from what she was in the comics, right? Uh, this, they, when it comes to characterization of some, even, even Pedro Pascal, they are a little bit different than their comic book counterparts. Um, Minerva, I recently read a few issues of George's, George Perez's run in the eighties and it kind of introduced Barbara being, uh, turned into cheetah. And she always seemed to, she, it seemed like she wasn't as nerdy, you know, like in this movie, she's a little bit more Selena Kyle, whereas in the Perez run, she's more of a archeologist type and she learns about this character. And then she eventually becomes this character that is the cheetah. So it's, it is interesting how they, they kind (laughs) of, You know, when, a lot of people complain that the, the nerdy, like kind of invisible character, a la uh, Edward Nygma, Batman Forever, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Electro and Amazing Spider-Man 2, jeez, uh, uh, Selena Kyle and Batman Returns, like it's been done before. So it's it, a lot of people kind of were annoyed at it. It didn't bother me. I mean, it's been uh, I know Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out like 2012, I think. So it's been a while. Since like seen that. Let's be honest. So. Uh, I, I, I like Andrew Garfield and uh, and yeah, I do too. <laughs> so there's parts of it, and I I like I'll defend Paul Giamatti as the Rhino. <laughs> I might be the only one on that hill, but but we won't go there. <laughs> but you know the the movie took their liberties, but I th- I thought they did a good job with interpreting characters because at their core, I think the characters are who they are. Yes. You know, Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord is the sleazy businessman who manipulates you uses you to get what he wants i know later on he becomes more sinister around like the 2000s era around infinite crisis and the omac project where he's kind of you know running things with it with an agenda from the government but even even at some point like towards the end of the film when he meets with reagan and they talk about the satellites like that's that's kind of a hint of like the wonder woman two. i think it's 219 where she snaps his neck and it's it's like okay cool like this is like Omac and stuff so th- there there are a lot of hints at the character and traditionally when Max uses his powers a lot he his health deteriorates he's bleeding and they nail right. those aspects. Um, I know people complained about Matt, uh, Pascal overacting, but at times I felt like but I think that's how you you should be if you're this sleazy TV personality trying to get other people to just give you money right like he's essentially running a Ponzi scheme <laughs> right like. Right, that's what's brought up in the film as well. That yeah. that line actually is is one of the first things we hear uh, from the investor. I forget Stan. Simon Stag. Another Stag, which right. that was great for me because I was like, oh wow, you guys put Simon Stag in a small role, a very small, yeah. limited role in the movie, but just pulling out you know another just business type personality from the DC universe. Like, uh, thank you, Jeff Johns. You did a as always. <laughs> you do your homework. Yeah. So, but I, that was one of my complaints at first uh, about Pascal when I first watched the film. Now, again, I've seen it twice now. So I, my second viewing, I kind of had it right now, actually, as we were yeah. <laughs> the second viewing, I kind of had time to sit back and, and, and really just watch it again. My Christmas day, I saw Christmas morning. I had a lot to do that day. I was under a lot of stress. I think I was just all over the place. And so I kind of wanted an escape. And then I was, watching this i was just thinking about everything i had to do so mm-hmm. my first reaction was wow he's really overacting and um it's really really over the top now part of it i'm saying well he's an 80s businessman like i got a crazy eddie vibe from him with the whole 
Oh my God. Thank <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, for those crazy Eddie's a long Island legend. <laughs> so like it was, and it, that commercial when I was a kid would play not only on long Island, but in the tri-state area up here in, in oh, New York too. city. Yeah. We area. know about crazy Eddie across the river. Right. So like he would kind of, he was kind of like that kind of personality. And I'm kind of like, oh, does that really fly for the film? Um, but then as you watch and you get the, the layers start to get peeled back on him, you realize like who he really is. He's a con he's, man. Yes. He's a con man. He likes um very insecure, very insecure guy. Um, always wanting to project to be more than what he is. Who and, is, that? is there anybody who is uh, in the public eye right now that that sounds like? <laughs> I'm not going there. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to keep that out of this. But yes, there were nods. Even to the person who shall not be named from that era, I got a little bit of that from his mm-hmm. from this performance as well. Mm-hmm. So just thinking back to the 80s, and I tried, I tried to go back there and see, uh, put myself there and say, yeah, this could work at that time period. I kind of... I kind of get it now. And it wasn't as bad on second viewing as it was for me on first viewing. So that's one of the things that got better for me. And then even at the end, I mean, we're jumping to the end now, but even at the end where she's showing him the truth, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you see all the flashbacks to him from his childhood. And then as he's trying to be a businessman and you can just kind of see that he's, he, in a lot of ways, um, even though he's this, he looks like to be this larger than life person. He's really not. He's really a nobody. And that's something that's interesting because Maxwell Lord, sometimes he's a villain. Sometimes he's not like I was talking with the, the infamous Justin Kowalski the other day and Mm -hmm. we were talking about Maxwell Lord. And I remember Maxwell Lord from justice league international. And I believe that came out in the eighties. And that's, we all know that's famous because Batman punches Guy Gardner in the face. Like that's one of the first things that happens in that storyline. And Maxwell Lord is kind of using the justice league to get what he wants politically and business-like. And to me, I always looked at him as the villain. And then we were talking to Justin. He's like, yeah, but then eventually he becomes a hero. So like Max teeters, he's almost like a Catwoman. Like he plays both sides, whatever he can do to gain his advantage. He'll do it. He doesn't really have a side, you know, his side is himself. He wants what he needs and he'll use you to get what he needs. And I think Pascal did a very good job. And I think the writers, Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns, did a great job of portraying that in somewhat of a more modern role, even while we're trying to flash back to the 80s. So I I think overall, like Pascal was just really fantastic in this role. Um, I think Wig steals the show, though. I mean, yeah. in every scene, even nerdy wig, hot wig, like she is just awesome and just laying it out in the entire movie like just amazing yeah i agree uh that was the from the moment after the movie ended the on on christmas from the moment it ended i um that was the one takeaway i had that hasn't changed like i thought she was incredible she was fantastic um i was worried about her casting when it first came out because i wasn't sure because she's really more of a comedic actress but she did this, and she was great. Eric, tell me what you thought about Michael Keaton in 1989, huh, dude? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was young at the time, so I don't know uh, if my 13-year-old self would, would – I didn't care at the time. I was just like, oh, we're getting a Batman movie. That was it. And um, I knew who Michael Keaton was. So I was like, oh, this is the guy for Mr. Mom. And, you know, so, like, I knew who he was. And at that, that, that point, that was enough for me. I didn't care about anything else uh, at that point. But th- I'm older now, obviously, and I know a little bit about – acting per se. So just being able to watch a performance. And again, I like seeing performers show their range and she was great. Um, Even 
the, like you said, the nerdy version of the character, the more, um, the, the one making the kind of the transition from being that to being what she finally becomes. Coveted. She became yeah. coveted, you know? Yep. So um, even that part, the way she played it was perfect. I don't know. Again, the director always has a say. So I'm sure Patty Jenkins said, yes, this is what I want from you. And she's got a deliver and she just aced it. Right. And um, she really did. She was great. Watching this movie made me think of Aquaman. And in terms of, you know, Barbara Minerva is Black Manta in this movie. And I feel like, you know, she's not in the whole movie. We get one cool battle. It, it happened a little bit more towards the middle of Aquaman with Aquaman and Black Manta. Mm-hmm. It happened at the end in Wonder Woman. But, like, we see the transition. We see what drove them. You know, and it was, it, to me, that's what I would kind of compare her character to. And makes me feel like we'll see her again at some point in the future with the way the movie laid off. Right. Uh, but, like, I just, I, I I didn't have a problem with the CGI of the cheetah. You know, I... Uh, would I like to have seen more of cheat actual cheetah? Yes, hundred percent. But just like where, like when the movie ends, like spoiler alerts. If you guys haven't gotten already, like we're going through spoilers. Yes, at the end of the movie, it to me, it, she just looks. It doesn't look like she rescinded her wish, right? She looks like she's the one person who's like angry, and she's angry at Diana because she's going to blame Diana for taking this away from her. Right. So it feels like that could be a driving force into the next film if she appears. You know, it's it's a cliffhanger ending. I, I just, I'd love to see more of that character because Wig just knocked it out of the park. Well, with both of them, even with um with Maxwell Lord, and I wanted to bring up something too about that. During the movie, they never call him Maxwell Lord. It's always Max, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know if they did that on purpose to try and say, yeah, he's Maxwell Lord, but not really Maxwell Lord. Um. Because they dropped that part a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, she, her ending, I agree with you. Like you see her when, when everything's done and obviously, um, I guess I could say it, Max renounces his wish and everything starts to turn back to normal. Um, You see her sitting there and she takes a deep breath and she kind of has that look like, oh, I feel relieved. But also kind of, she has, her eyes are kind of like, why did they do this to me? Yeah. And it's just like. Again, like throughout the movie, when they're fighting in the White House and she's like, I don't want to give this up. I'm finally like you. There's more surprises to being like you. And like she wants she's almost she's very similar to Max because it wasn't enough. Right. Like Max throughout the movie needs more. He needs more. He needs more wishes. He needs to take advantage of more people to fix himself. His health is deteriorating. Like he, he's kind of like a crackhead. Like it's mm-hmm. never enough. He needs to keep getting his fix. And Barbara's like that. Barbara wants more. Like it wasn't enough to be coveted. It wasn't enough to be noticed. It wasn't enough to be, you know, the quote unquote hot girl. She needed to be the top dog. She needed to be an apex predator. And it's like, I can see in the future, uh, Barbara Minerva now knowing about things like this wish stone, now knowing about the Amazons, and with her background in uh, what ology, whatever, whatever <laughs> degree she has, I can see her going on a journey to find this mythological cheetah figure and regaining her powers. You know, like I, I don't, that's why I said, like, I don't think this is the end of Barbara Minerva. I think her story's only begun. And yeah. while people say she should have been the main villain of the movie, I go back to Black Manta and I'm like, I'd rather get a movie and a half of Black Manta and Cheetah than one movie, you know, like how many times like have, have villains died off in movies. And you're like, I know we've already seen it, but I, I just like them and pop up again. Like Nolan did aced it. 
Like we saw the scarecrow three times, you know, Roz popped up twice. Like that's cool to me because you know, they don't die. Like DeVito's penguin dying, bum me out. Mm -hmm. Nicholson's penguin, uh, Nicholson's Joker dying, bum me out. Yeah. You know, when, when these guys die, even Harvey Dent is two face. Like I know it, it was intentional, whatever, but you know, like, I guess that's just a comic book fan in me. Cause like, I know there's going to be issues in 10 years. Right. <laughs> that's just my yeah. opinion. But and we did, we, I mean, obviously we get, you know, you can get reboots of these characters yeah. too. So, but I agree with you. I think she'll be in the third film um, in some shape or form. Uh, because and I also there's been kind of, people have been asking Patty Jenkins on Twitter the past few days about her and she's kind of been like winking nod nod wink wink at a lot of her answers that I've been seeing mm-hmm. so uh, I think we will see I don't think we've seen the last of Kristen Wiig's um, Cheetah I think we'll get we'll get her in the third film um, we'll see in what capacity but I think she will definitely be a part of it in some way shape or form definitely the, the last person and arguably the most important character we need to talk about is uh, Chris Pine's Steve Trevor. Mm-hmm. Now, the Wish Stone is what brings Steve Trevor back, which is what I kind of guessed. I didn't know they were doing Wish Stone, obviously, with the strip. I had no idea. But I remember when they said he was back, I thought it would be in this in some way in this kind of a capacity, like something happens where he's back, but he's not really back. And that's kind of what we got here. Mm-hmm. Um, the wish stone in this movie, obviously we were talking about Maxwell Lord. It grants people wishes, right? It's this ancient artifact of, of the gods language of the gods. Um, and it, whoever holds it can make a wish and their wish comes true. So early in the film, when they first find it, Barbara and Diana, um, What's it called? They find out what it is and Diana's holding it. And Barbara asks her, what would you wish for? And she says, I have, I know like whatever. And you don't hear her say it, but then you see like the, the that famous thing when anything, and any kind of, you get where there's some kind of fantasy, yeah, you get the wind like, whoosh, and there you go. And then um, obviously fast forward to, to the party scene. This guy is following her. He doesn't know. She doesn't know who he is. And then he, he says, the I only wish there were more time. And then she starts having these flashbacks. When he gives her the watch, yeah. I mean, like, I'm sorry. Kleenex, please. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm just nothing quite like a 35-year-old uh, fanboy just breaking out into tears over a Wonder Woman movie. But uh, I just, yeah. I mean, Pine, it was such a treat to give him back. And it's just, because, you know, you were wondering, like, how are they going to do this? Right. Like, I'm so curious. And it's like what's going to happen. And I, I had a feeling like when you're dealing with an Island of invisible warrior women, <laughs> things are going to get really supernatural at some point. And they did in this sequel at times, things just kind of got, you know, very comic booky, but guess what? That's she's wonder woman. And that's that, that comes with the territory. Right. I loved, I loved what they did, the wish stone. And it was, to me, it didn't bother me that it was kind of like a body swap that, you know, he inherited this this guy's body because it's like the stone just had to make it happen somehow, right? Right. You're not going to bring back a zombie. No. Um, and some people, some people made, and some people made the comparison to him looking like Lyle Wagoner, who played Steve Trevor on the 70s, 70 the Wonder Woman show. He had that um, haircut. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, that. right. Like the guy who played him. I've seen that guy in other movies before. I don't know what else he's been in, but his face looked really familiar to me. Um, so I, I was looking, I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere, 
But it it was funny having Pine in his body, and then that scene where he's looking at him in the mirror. She did it with the camera turn at the party, and then when he's looking at him in the mirror, and even Pine is like, "This guy's got it." Like it was funny. He was like, "Oh yeah, he could have came out looking like me, (laughs) and then he would have been very disappointed." Like he's like, "Why why do I look like this Dago?" (laughs) You know, but he came out looking like you know your typical Hollywood persona, and. To me, what was really awesome about Pine was how he was almost like it was like a swap from Diana in the first movie. He's the fish out of water. Right. The one with the wardrobe scene in the funky clothes, not happy. You know, Diana, how does a woman fight in this? You know, and he's just like, he's like, look at this. I got this, you know, American flag fanny pack. And he's like, he's like really pumped about it. You know, so it was cool seeing him, you know, just completely out of his element. He's like, dude, like. Of course, some guy from 1906 is going to love Pop-Tarts, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was a really awesome scene Pop-Tarts. with the Pop-Tarts and the, and the coffee. That was yeah. good. I mean, um, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he, he, they had an, an instant coffee, you know, the Mr. Coffee yeah. Like, I'm sure he's used to boiling it in like a pot and drinking some grounds every now and then. So I'm sure having a coffee filter is a huge deal for him. Yeah, that part. The, I mean, all that discovery stuff was great. And then I mean, when she takes him to cool. the Smithsonian, just, yeah, just seeing him um, swap with her as the fish out of water. I, yep. like, to me, I liked it. And I have very few. Nit- I have. I don't have complaints in this movie. I have. I have a couple nitpicks. I think we'll get to. Right now, we're talking about our pros, so we'll get to the cons in a little bit. But um, I mean, my my pros outweigh my cons drastically for this film. Yeah, that he. I thought he was. Again, I can do both because when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling it this time. But then on the second watch, I kind of like, oh, well, yeah, now I'm kind of back in the moment. So uh, I really thought he played the it was the same guy like there wasn't he was which was good because you needed that for that effect to happen. So he played the same guy, um, which was great. Uh, and then he was he was, you know, the assistant, right? Like that's what he was in this movie. He was helping her do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, they really clicked again. And that, I think that's what you they wanted. Great chemistry. They really, yeah, do. they do. They do. And the chemistry again, like I said, at first I was kind of like, I'm not feeling it. But when I watched it the second time, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's there. I, I, it was just me. I was wrong on that. Um, now so, I haven't watched that, that much of wonder woman 77. Have you watched, do you remember watching it? As a kid, I watched it all the time. So, okay. So like, is it like, just refresh my memory. Like, it does start off like World War II and then it goes into the seventies, right? Yes. But the, the, but there's Steve Trevor in both time frames. Yes. And it's like, so it's so like. It's, it's kind of never explained. Okay. But, <laughs> so he's just there. He's just a descendant, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of not really an explained thing. They were just like, it's Steve Trevor. That's who he is. And, you know, it's not something that gets much uh it's kind of you know they just moved forward and here he is okay. has the same kind of role um you know so it's just the same same deal which was kind of again this is kind of what we got here is the same guy uh you know it's just this one actually still is from the world war one period um where he is enjoying all the newfound things that <laughs> that the 1980s offered uh, especially the the subway the subway scene was awesome um when he sees the plane fly over for the first yeah, time like yeah. and then that's the other scene that i love that i want to talk about um 
what he, as you said, he sees the plane over the head and then they need to go to um, Cairo, they need to go to Egypt. And he's like, I want to fly the plane. Well, she I finds mean, a fighter, should, right? Yeah. Yeah. She, <laughs> she finds the fighter jet, they hop in it and they take off and uh, they're above the clouds. And we then we get the one thing that a lot of people have had issues with, at least that I've read, is the invisible jet. People have no souls. Now, <laughs> now in this, the way they did it was very clever. Um, Wonder Woman or Diana, whatever you want to say, says her father hid Themyscira by putting kind of a spell right over mm. or over Themyscira, and that's why no man couldn't see it. And she was trying to learn the power, and then she touches, she does this thing with her hands, touches the plane, boom, it's invisible. Right. I love it. I agree. I got no problem. Because here's the thing, like, <laughs> it's cool because it wasn't like a whole thing. It wasn't in a whole lot of, I think it was in like, what, two scenes max? You know, I think it was in the perfect amount of time. Uh, you know, it's something, If some, it's one of those things where, you know, Wonder Woman lore kind of gets tricky at some points. Does she fly? Can she not fly? Well, if she can fly, why does she have the invisible jet? Right. But yeah. to me, it's just one of those things where it just honors who this character is. Even going back to like when we just recently talked about Trevor, past, present, the show, like there's a lot of, again, a lot of nods to 77. I feel like the Trevor thing's definitely a nod to 77. I feel like this plane thing is a nod to 70s era Wonder Woman. As much as this movie is a love letter to the 80s, it's even more so to that. It's It just it just made sense. It, it fits. Again, like, we're, again, Paradise Island is an invisible island. <laughs> The fact yep. that she can wiggle her hands and make this plane invisible, like, are you that's the thing that people are really going to argue about? It's Wonder Woman, right? Like, come she's on, she's a goddess, right? She's made out of clay, <laughs> <laughs> she is molded from clay and given life by the gods. Like, can we please stop nitpicking yeah. things? Yeah, I mean, that's what she, she's doing, what she is. She's a goddess, that's who she is. She has these abilities, yep, and it's just. Again, like I really enjoy the movie. I think it has a ton of rewatchability for me personally. Um, we'll get our letter grades in, but it's just it's just a good time. Not every movie has to be the Dark Knight, no. right? Not every movie has to be absolutely perfect. Absolutely, like there's like two perfect movies in the entire world: Jaws and The Godfather. Like th you know, like th that list is really small. But it seems like now there's no gray area where people can enjoy things. You know, as long as this isn't Batman and Robin, hey, we're good. Sorry. Right. That, think... That's the God's honest truth. It doesn't have to be absolutely amazing. It's like masterpiece, disaster. There's no gray area. There's a middle ground, and that's where this movie falls, and it hits all those notes. It's not perfect, but it doesn't have to be. No. Was it going to live up to the first one? The first one's one of the greatest CBMs of all time. Yep. Like, no doubt. And it's arguably the greatest entry in this DCEU franchise. Well, so that's a tall order. So. I mean, you, I think Shazam goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with it. But that's mm -hmm. a different conversation. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we're going to rank our, our films later in a little bit. So, but I, um, yeah, what happens when you have a, a really strong first film, it's often hard for the second one to match it. Now we have examples of it. Obviously I like Batman begins better, but the dark Knight to me is a better movie. So that, that does it. 
Um, you have Empire Strikes Back and the Star Wars saga. Um, what's it called? I'm from Godfather Two. Yeah, Godfather Part Two, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Right, like you have these movies, these second sequels who are who do surpass their predecessor. And I think because some of them were recent, I think people want that logical progression that the next one has to take a step up. Um, it was impossible for a number of reasons. Not only was it was Wonder Woman the first one great was the first movie she's like her own solo film that she's ever had. I saw, I saw one dumb tweet where someone was like, well, they knew they couldn't reach wonder woman one level. So they intentionally made this one not as good. And I just, I thought that was a dumb statement. So I'm just like, I don't think that's true at all. Like who would, who goes into a movie saying, well, we know we can't top it. So let's just not even try. There's a lot of art in this movie. There's a lot of effort in this movie. It bleeds through this movie and it's, it's, it's just a good movie and that's fine. It doesn't have to be absolutely amazing. It doesn't have to be groundbreaking, but it's not abysmal. And if someone doesn't like it, that's cool. Like I like this movie more than you do. I'm not yes. calling you a moron. No. You're entitled to your opinion. That's, that's exactly what this show is based off of and what fandom is like, you know, there's, there's really no clear cut definitive interpretation of any of these characters. No, Especially someone who's been around for 70 plus years. Yeah, I mean, at one point, Wonder Woman in the comic books was a spy who wore a white jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Like they they change. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to stop with this. Well, everything has to be a billion dollar movie. I'll just put it that way, That's right? True. Like, you know, everything has to make a billion dollars. This movie has to. We need to stop with that thinking. I, I think studios too. Like, there's no reason for Warner Brothers to panic after Man of Steel. You know, because that's like a solid ground as a solid foundation. You build upon it and you see what you can do. If the second movie is kind of a bust, then I think you go from there, which is, you know, what they ended up doing anyway. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like we brought up, uh, we, we brought up Batman Begins. We brought up The Dark Knight. Well, Batman Begins didn't do great in the box office. No, but it, it made oh. great DVD sales. And that's right. what us The Dark Knight. Right. So, I mean, there's other ways to, for a movie to be a hit. Uh, again, Wonder Woman, the first one, didn't open strong. That movie did well on its legs. It had legs and it just kept going and going. It's yep. part of PBS. Yeah. yeah, so I think we need um, we need to stop with this. Every film has to be billion dollars or it doesn't. It, every comic book movie has to be a billion dollar film or, or it's not good. Uh, I don't think that's fair. Um, like I said, there's a ton of heart in this movie. There's definitely, um, I will say, the tone is not as heavy as the first one. So you have that kind of, um, you have room for a little bit more of the softer stuff, which I thought was was well done in this movie. Uh, but I really am tired of the, uh, I don't want to say, well, I guess for, for since we're talking about Wonder Woman with Cheetah, the claws that come out. <laughs> Uh-huh. every time a movie doesn't do or isn't as great as people want it to be. I think it shows great depth for a franchise when you can make one really serious movie in this. And this is not as serious, right? Like it takes it. It's like Joe Madden used to say, we take ourselves seriously. We take what we do seriously. We don't take ourselves seriously kind of thing. Yeah. Like they took the making the movie serious. Like they didn't try to make a bad movie, but they tried to make it different. They tried new things. They tried to explore different angles and different paths. So therefore you're not repetitive, you know, you're doing new things with the same characters. And I appreciated that, you know, like we're getting another Diana Prince, Steve Trevor movie that was so good 
you know, the first one was so good. We're getting that chemistry back in a, a different scenario. Yep. And it, it was cooler because it led to things like that cool Cairo scene with the trucks and the, and the flipping and all that. So like that's, that's so awesome to me. That scene alone is great. And I enjoyed the wire work. Like, yeah, was the wire work better in Batman forever? Yeah, definitely. Like that's probably one of the best things about that movie. Mm-hmm. Like at no point does that ever take out. And I'll, people complained about the CGI, but in, in Wonder Woman, but like it didn't take me out of the movie. Whereas like the third act of Black Panther or Injustice League or something right. or, or, or Hulkbuster Banner, like those, those were really bad moments of CGI that really took me out of the movie. And th- this didn't do that. You know, I didn't think the CGI was that bad. Um, I didn't either. I thought it was fun. certain scenes. Yeah, it's noticeable. But I, I, I think as a whole, I kind of was just like, okay, it's fine. Sometimes when she was running, it looked just weird, but like, I can, I let that slide. Cause it's like, yeah, like she's going to look weird no matter what she does. Like we've, we, Ezra Miller looked weird in justice league. Grant yeah. Gustin's look weird in the flash roll run. Like it's from, from what I've learned out of seven seasons of the flash and one appearance of a justice movie of the flash, making these characters run at super speed is still like a work in progress. Yeah. It's hard. It's a hard, um, you know, these are superhuman beings. So it's, it's not always easy to replicate what we think they would be like, right. This is not even something that's definitive. People got to let go a little bit. Like sometimes don't be so harsh on this stuff. It's just, it is again, it's just a movie guys. The story, it's the story doesn't suck. The story's really good. It's at its core. It is a really good, really heartfelt Wonder Woman story. What else do you want? Like, right. Be brutally honest. Yeah. It's, I also, and this was another comparison I made. Uh, and obviously it's not apples to apples, but the, the thing where Wonder Woman, obviously she, she makes the wish. And then when the, the monkey's paw thing is if you give a wish, something gets taken away from you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, in her case, she wished for Steve Trevor and then she started to lose her powers, her abilities. And although it's not the same thing in the Wolverine when with that thing that gets put in him, that little robot by by Viper, mm-hmm. um, and he obviously loses his regenerative abilities. Uh, and then that was kind of that just hit me in the head when I was watching this. I'm like, oh, now she can't heal as fast because that's really what it does. Yeah. Uh, it takes away her ability to heal, and I was just, she I was just strong. She couldn't hold right. the lasso while she was saving the kids in Cairo. Right, she was, she was a little depowered. Yeah, and Josh uh, Lagern, who was on, uh, who was on our Hungerthon with us, who was a really cool guy. He was watching Wonder Woman today, and he said the whole thing about her, you know, not, not healing and stuff. He's like, "Does she heal?" I'm like, "Well, that was one of the things. Like in the first film, you see her when she saves Steve, and they have the fight. She gets cut." Mm-hmm. And then later on, when she's being bandaged, you see them take off the bandage and there's nothing there. It's like nothing ever happened. Yeah. So it was the second time we got to see some, you know, people were like, oh, I didn't know that she was like super like Superman. I'm like, well, she's not really uh, she's not like Superman, like Superman, unless there's script night involved. You can't do do that at all. And that's and one of those things throughout the course of her history yeah. where she's been extremely powerful. They yeah. powered her. They brought the power back up. Like it's one of those things that's fluctuated, and it's happened with Superman as well. Yep. You know, he can ta- leap tall buildings with a single bound at one point, and then he's flying. So, yeah. it, it, you know, it, it it's it's weird, yeah, because it's almost like inconsistent. But at the same time, it's like that's who the character kind of is, and it, you know, as this being like her first run theatrically, right? Mm-hmm. we're exploring that and we're learning that stuff with her. So in, in a sense, 
it is very faithful to her origins and her comic book counterpart. And to me, I'm like, I appreciate that. Well, let's, let's go with that last theme you just brought up now, the flying, right? That was something that we got in this movie. And um, throughout her history, like you said, she's flies, she flies, she doesn't fly, whatever. Like there's, there's both that are there in her history. So it's fine. Um, But the way they did it and how they tied it to Steve in this, that's something that I loved. Um, yeah, it's it's just it hit that emotional note, which the movie right. does several times. Yes, you know, in the beginning it hits you with emotion. In the middle part, when she's in the plane in the visible jet with Steve, mm-hmm. you know, after you know the radar joke, which I think is hysterical. Yeah, it was good. Uh, and and she makes the plane invisible, and he he tells her like about what it's like to fly and how she's always like adored that aspect about him and how it really defines him to her. Mm-hmm. And it's and then to tie that in, like she, you know, she whips the plane, she hitches a ride, and then she thinks about Steve, and then she can, you know, fly and elevate and all. And it's just, again, it's just it. it the movie is a lot about love and the truth. And if you stay true to what you love, you know, it, it can empower you in a way. And that's kind of the message of the movie, right? So to tie that into Steve, her true love, and helps motivate her at the end of the film after losing Steve, you know, in an emotion, like it's two really back to back, really emotional moments. Like she rescinds the wish Steve goes away, but she still got to save the world, you know? And he's kind of, he's the driving force in that. Right. Like that's something that, that's something kind of like he gave her, right? Like, yeah. Like his parting gift. Yes. Like the parting gift is that. Okay. I explained to you what flying is. Now you need to do it. And um, that was just awesome. That 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 flying scene. Like, yeah, but people are like, well, we saw it in Man of Steel. Who cares? It's why did we have to do this? Like, well, guess just, what? this is Wonder Woman. Why exactly can't, can't have it? It's her. It's it's a part of who she is. I've seen. Okay, like that's who the character is. She deserves that moment. I don't care if I've seen it in Man of Steel. I don't. I don't care if I see. I mean, who else flies that we can compare it to for crime? No, and- it's not as good as the Man of Steel stuff. No, I would never say that. That's one of the best parts of that film, in my opinion. Um, but it's still a pretty cool moment. And again, the the way she was able to do it and how it was tied into the story um, was fantastic. That was one of the moments of the film. I'm like, wow, they really closed that loop excellently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave Steve, even not being there, they gave him a role to fill. Um, yeah. And that was just awesome. Like, that was great. So that does lead to like one of my few bugaboos about the movie though. Okay. So go ahead. And that is the golden Eagle armor. I I felt like while at the end of the very end of the movie in the mid credit scene, it does pay off, Mm -hmm. but like, I felt like it should have been grander, you know, like her telling it's just in her apartment. And then she uses the locker to tell Steve, like, that's okay. I thought it could have, I thought it could have been described a little bit more. You know, maybe it, it des- deserved maybe an extended scene. I don't know. Maybe Diana was searching for Astra at some point mm-hmm. um, and she found the armor. Like, I would have liked to have seen that, but I didn't. She says that. Yeah, but I would have liked to have seen it. Like, she said, oh, okay. it. you know, I right. would have liked to actually have seen it. Um, and then when she makes her grand entrance, it's just weird because she says goodbye to Steve. She learns how to fly. So is she flying to her apartment to get the armor? Right? Like, <laughs> But yeah. she doesn't know about the cheaty yet, so why does she think she needs the armor? You know, so it's 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 like it reminds me of that scene in Man of Steel where Clark is searching 
the scout ship, and all of a sudden there's just the red and blue Superman suit out of nowhere. Meanwhile, all we've ever seen are Kryptonians wear brown armor and black undersuits. And <laughs> yeah. there it is, red, red, blue, and yellow just in this ship with no explanation. So it's weird. And like, don't get me wrong, like we all know it was on Twitter. I went jingle all the way. I bought the Golden Eagle at Target. I bought the last action figure in the store. It's on my Wonder Woman shelf. It's my my Diana shrine. It's there. It's amazing. I love the figure. I look at it all the time. It's got this awesome flying pose. Very proud of myself. Thank you, Todd McFarlane. But like, I was always worried, is this just a money grab thing? Is this like, you know, is this why in BVS we've got two Batman suits? Is this why in Just League we get two Batman suits so you could sell a figure? Like, mm-hmm. I know it's it's teased in the beginning of the movie. We get the statue at the Olympics. I get it. Mm-hmm. But it's like the entrance just wasn't grand enough for me. Like it would have been one thing if she needed the armor to fly, if she needed those wings. Right. It just kind of felt, and, and this is really my big, that's my only issue with the real movie is like, well, why is this armor necessary? You didn't know about the cheetah. Maxwell Lord just kind of has like mind control power, right? Not even like traditionally he has mind control powers, but he's just granting wishes. Why do you need this armor? It just kind of comes out of left field a little bit. Well, she was going to a a military, um, right? That that was a military satellite base, I think. Strength, like once she rescinds the wish, she's back to being a hundred percent. She's not. She doesn't have her limitations anymore. No, yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I'm trying to think of reasons. You know, like you're trying. I'm trying to think of reasons why they thought, okay, she needs this to go there. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think of. She knew that he could control anyone at that point. Like he had the control over people. So maybe she thought because we saw in the scene with um, Asteria, everyone's coming after her at once. So maybe that was why she didn't know the numbers that she'd be dealing with. Again, um, like, that's my only gripe. And it's, it's a nitpick. And, but to be honest, I like the movie so much. I can look past it. Yeah. I actually, I mean, for me, it's just a cool, it's cool. Like th- that suit is just cool. And I'd like to see her. <laughs> it was cool seeing her in it. Minute. I love during the fight how she uses the wings to protect yeah. herself. And then again, just like the power of Cheetah. Like this at one point was the strongest armor created by the Amazons. And Cheetah is literally ripping through it like it's paper. I know. Yeah. The wings are taking damage. Pieces of gold are flying all over. Like the strength and the agility and all the powers of Cheetah were absolutely magnificent in that short little display. Like Wonder Woman's, you know, she's Spider Manning around the island and Cheetah's no problem keeping up with her. Mm-hmm. You know, really fantastic. And it's just it, overall, I, I re- everything about Cheetah, I loved. I did. Yeah. I think that was the, you know, one of the takeaways. Even that fight, some people were, you know, people complain about the CGI and um, how did we, you know, do you need that? Well, yeah. If you want to make a person go that fast <laughs> and be able oh, yeah. to jump around like that, as long kind as of CGI. level bad, I'm not complaining no. about it. No. You know, I mean, you know, it's going to come as a shock, but even Nolan used CGI. And granted, it's like, you know, when the Joker busts through the cocktail party, all those windows are green screen, you know, but like every movie has CGI to an extent. And if you're going to have a fantastic villain, a supernatural villain like Cheetah, you know, it, it, you're going to need some CGI. And like, again, talking to Justin yesterday, he he watched Endgame recently. He's like, dude, Thanos looks amazing. And I'm like, he does look good. You know, they put a ton of CGI in that third third act and, in, in, you know, in Endgame. And it's like, you could tell. You oh, know, you can tell, but... It's money well spent. I'm not saying you could tell it's bad. You could tell it's good. No, yeah, like that... I, I was like, I, oh, this is Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
that that is a good that's a good um point when people bring that up about Black Panther. It does kind of yeah, that end was that part of the movie is it looks like Justice League. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of any super cons that I have. Like I said, I didn't like it as much as you. I thought in the first viewing, but again, the second viewing clears some of it up. I never really had issues with pacing. That was one of the things people brought up. I thought it was paced fine. Um, Dude, it was, it might be the quickest two hour and a half hour movie I've ever watched. Like there are times I've sat through movies and I've looked at the watch there's I've sat through movies and I've hit the display button and I'm like, damn, we got that much. Like I, this movie flew by. I was, I was captivated from the opening credits till the end. I think the one one of the big um, drawbacks or the one of the big cons I have um, is we didn't get enough development for Cheetah. Like I thought Kristen Wiig was so good. Um, we probably could have had more. Uh, that would probably be one of the is things that about the case of an actress just acting better than, you know, like not necessarily better than she was intended, but just really just owning it and just stealing the show. Yeah, you can make that case that I just wanted to see more of her because she was just so good. But I do think um, the some of the motivations aren't so clear. Uh, yes, it's being wanting to be like Diana. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, but we didn't just get we didn't get enough into the back um, the backstory. I think that's the only thing for me about her. Like we get a little bit about Max at the end, obviously, like I said, when she's, she's doing the lassos around his leg and she's showing him his truth and everything he's been through. I feel like you got enough. Of che- like you, so. you see how Barbara's kind of invisible. You know, she, the briefcase opens her papers spill out. No one even like they laugh at her, you know, like, you yeah, know, but I, and then, why? like that's, I think that's the point I'm trying to why? get. Because guys are shallow. That's why. <laughs> well, not even guys. The guy, woman who hired her didn't even remember her. Raced down to help her. Yeah, but even, yeah. And you're right. It's not just guys. Like her boss didn't even remember her. Like you interviewed this woman. How do you not know who she is? Like it, it, she's very, that's why I say she's very Selena Kyle in Batman Returns, you know, like. Yeah, but it was, I don't think that was done as well. That's my gripe. Like I thought one of the things about Batman Returns that I do like is Catwoman. And I thought the way that even though how she became Catwoman is completely ridiculous, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the way that we got to know her a little bit more before that was done better. You think, um, so? I think it's actually equal. I think, you know, I think it's very similar. The other, one of the other things that bothered me was the very end um, with, with Maxwell and his son, Alistair. Um, that to me was, I didn't feel it at all because it was just complete. It, it just wasn't well done. It's not one of the stronger parts of the movie. Oh. I th- I don't think you necessarily needed Alistair in the movie, but I felt like he was there to balance him. Yeah. He was there to kind of show the ending where she wraps the lasso around and she's speaking to the people through, uh, Max. And, you know, it was kind of the f- reason why Al- Alistair's the reason why he, re- like, he sees Alistair's going to die. You know, it, it, it seems like that was the, that was his main reason was Alistair was there to basically for the ending of the movie. Right. Like I, and I just, that was something I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. I didn't, um, I didn't connect like you, that scene's supposed to pull you in and be like, oh, he's reformed. And it, it didn't, none, none of that. For me. He was reformed. I, again, like I think Max, the, the, the time came where Max had to do what he needed to do in the moment. And it wasn't for the better of the world. It was just for his son. He didn't do it because he was thinking, oh, I've, I've done something horrible. He did it because he put his son in a place to die. He didn't do it for anyone else but himself. 
Right. And that's I get that part. But but they he gives that speech and he tries to be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not a good guy, and but I want you to be proud of me. I just none of that connected. I feel I, I thought the kid acted really well. You know, like when, when the kid's actually delivering the line, I think it's more because I feel bad for the kid. He's like, right. you're my dad. Like, you don't have to impress me. I love you. You're my father. You know, I feel for the kid. Meanwhile, I'm like, Max, you're a douche. <laughs> you know, I was like, Jesus, like your son loves you no matter what. Like, again, it it's almost like to me that Max, again, he thinks he has to do this. He thinks this is what's best. He doesn't actually take into account what's best for Alistair until he realizes Alistair is going to die because of his just recklessness. Right. You know, like, so Max, in a like Maxwell's not very likable. Well, no, he's not supposed to be. You're not supposed to like him or root for him. But right. that part at the end is supposed to make you feel something for him now. And I, I just, it fell flat. You know, yeah. I, I still don't feel anything for him. If anything, like <laughs> going back to my comic book roots, I, I there was a time I was like, oh, she's going to snap his neck. <laughs> you know, like, well i remember I get the I remember, vibes and he's in front of the because like and i believe it's you know fanboys out there i believe it's this wonder woman volume 2 issue 219 is maxwell lord's demise and wonder woman snaps his neck on camera like it's broadcast throughout the world so when i see him in this setting i'm like holy shnikes they're really gonna do this <laughs> i was like warner brothers has gained some uh, uh fortitude here because of, you know, i was like but then again the, you know i'm pretty sure they were like we did this in man of steel and everyone hated it yeah you know? yeah i'm sure i you know for a while i was like oh wow they don't care right now like they're really going for it and and then she didn't do it so i i found that interesting i remember us talking about i forget we had someone it was we had a guest on the show and when before the movie came out so this is earlier in the year um and we actually had that discussion uh, are they going to do that? I remember. I don't remember what show it was, but I do remember talking about it with you guys. It's just um, a bummer because, like, I want Black Mask to live, but Maxwell Lord does. <laughs> you know, it, it's like nobody. Whenever you want the villain, and I just earlier in the show, I just went on this long speech on villains shouldn't die, but then like Maxwell Lord, I'm like, yeah, they should snap his neck. Here. <laughs> well, um, well, he didn't. So there's a possibility again that we'll see him again. I don't know where. Yeah. Um, also, one other nitpick: the guy who played Reagan didn't look like Reagan. That was a big <laughs> I was like, "Why can't you get somebody look like Reagan?" Well, they don't mention his name. Number one, nineteen um, eighty. Who was president in nineteen eighty? No, obviously that's who it's supposed to be. Yes, but they don't mention his name. He just says the president. I know. So, but yes, you're right. Is I, that a rights thing? Do you have to pay Reagan's family for his lookalike rights? Oh, I don't have any. I don't know. I don't know. But in none of, in none of the movies, I think some you see pictures of the president, but you don't like they don't mention them by name. I do remember in Transformers when they're on Air Force One, he asked um, President Bush at the time asked them to get yodels, and did, the guy who did the vo- it was just his voice, so you kind of knew it was him. <laughs> I think it was Bill. I think Bill vo- voiced him. <laughs> but yeah, but that was the like I remember that. Um, I thought he doesn't look exactly like him, but the hair was similar. Like there were similarities there. He didn't have Reagan hair. <laughs> you kind of got the, you knew the, who they were trying to push. What I did, I, I, that's the scene I didn't like either, but I don't want to go too in, in depth. Um, it was just very rushed, but. Uh, a lot of, but a lot of people kind of, a lot of, you know, a lot of people who are older in the eighties, I'm, I was born in 86. So I don't remember the eighties complain that there weren't enough kind of 80s references that went into a little bit more detail such as the cold war 
Yes. For, for me, someone who's outside in the 80s looking in, I thought it was enough. I got it. It made sense to me. The nuclear weapons, the coal, like all that. I was able to put those pieces together, pretty, the oil stuff. Like, uh, you know, as someone who wasn't in the 80s, I was able to put it together. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, the, a lot is talked about in the 80s period. Um, and 80s nostalgia is huge. I mean, Stranger yeah. Things started, you know, a, a, a mega trend. Right. And then CNN did those shows about the decades. The 80s is one of them. So if you watch that too, you have an idea of what was going on. I mean, I was alive, obviously. I was a I was a young kid in the 80s, but I do remember the Cold War. I do remember worrying about um, Star Wars and the missile defense system. And I do remember these stuff being taught to us in school. Uh, I so I do have good they have memories. Nuclear drills? Did they tell you to get under? No, the- no, that was in this. That was way before that. We never had drills, but there were areas. Huh? <laughs> I thought you were that old. No, I'm not that old. Sorry. That was before me. Uh, but <laughs> but the, I, it's funny you bring that up though, because in my school they still had the signs up for things like that. Oh, out shelter, yeah, yeah, like what to do. So they still had those signs up. So I do remember all of. All of that, and I do think this film skirted around it. Uh, I do think you could have had it being more of a underlying tone to the film, not the tone, but just having it there. Uh, I, I do think that it takes away from what was actually going on in the movie, right? And that well, that's the other thing too. The first movie was about World War One, pretty much, um, and they it's kind of like okay, we did that. Like you, I think maybe taking war out of it, like that kind of a thing, out of it a little bit. But and it was Cold the War. Like, there's a reason why it's called that. Like, it's right. Kind of, it was all just kind of like you know, two countries talking shit. <laughs> well, no, it was more than that, but it's okay. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna go into it. I'm a young kid, like Bill's gonna listen to this. Like, Dad, Gumkin don't care about history. <laughs> no, there was there was stuff. Uh, there was definitely stuff that could have been added a little more depth to the film, and that that's one of my um, complaints about it. Uh, in a lot of ways, the film is shallow. Um, not in the themes we talked about. Love obviously is there, and and you know, um, excess. The theme of excess is very much present in this film, and what excess can do to you. But those are shallow. That's a shallow thing to me. Um, in my opinion, so- if you dig deeper into that stuff, you take away from the actual like superhero elements, and then. It's one of those things where no one's going to, because they're like, you guys, they did this too. You know, I just feel like it's one of those things where like, no matter what you do, you lose, dude. Right. No. And I understand, again, I understand the decision. I understand the decision. Cause like I said, the first film was very heavy. So I understand the decision to not do that. But, um, I do see how for me a little bit, it took me out of it a little, um, because this, to me, the stakes weren't as high. It, they tried to make it with the stone, like, Oh, he's going to destroy everything. I mean, it was just so fantastical to me. I was just kind of like, okay. So that was one of the, that's one of my gripes of the film. It's just, it's not a huge one. I still, again, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it more the second time, but it's still, it's not, I guess, again, you always have expectations, right? And coming off the first film, I had expectations and it just, they just weren't completely met. So I feel bad because I feel like this movie did meet my expectations. Well, that's good. I'm glad that- uh, it's it's weird because I'm like I'm happy with it, but not a lot of people are. It, it's it's a weird. It's it's funny because like the first time I really experienced something like this was BVS. Mm-hmm. You know, like people there, there were people who had their issues with rises, but the it's, it was it wasn't it was the minority. The majority of people enjoy rises. Mm-hmm. 
BVS, the the minority of people enjoyed BVS, and a lot of people really despised that movie. Yeah. So like, it, it was that was like the first time I was like, wow, I like something that everyone hates. You know. I don't, yeah, I mean, so this I time around, I was kind of like, yeah, I get, I feel bad for you. I enjoyed it. Sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I mean, I kind of had that experience with Suicide Squad because um, I like it more than most people. So uh-huh. I that was the first time, too, that I remember hearing about it. And everyone was like, oh, it's so bad, so bad. And then I saw it. I'm like, well, it's not great, but I, jo- I enjoy most of it. It, mm-hmm. it was good. It was OK. Um, I so, think this movie is much better than those two. Though. Yes, it is. This movie is better than though, much better than those. two. I will say that um, specifically because the characters are just really well done. Like the acting is really well done. Even now, Pascal, I kind of have moved to the point, like it wasn't my best performance, but he was good enough uh, for the film. But again, Godot was great. Pine was great. Um, I already said Kristen Wiig was my favorite part of the movie. So the acting kind of brings it up a little bit more for me um, in this film. So now since we're kind of giving synopsis, uh, give your synopsis and then give your letter grade. Uh, my synopsis is as always, you know, uh, Superman two with Indiana Jones, Wonder Woman 77 sprinkled over, uh, over it, a, a true, just eighties feel and vibe to it. Just a, a, it's an overall, a fun superhero movie of Diana learning, you know, just, again, just continually learning the lessons of love, truth, and the, the power that it, ha- it holds over people and how it can actually set you free if you allow it. And, you know, just always stay true to yourself and just try to strive for better. That's kind of what I would kind of describe it as. Okay. And what, what grade do you give it? I, I give this movie a B plus. Okay. Well, had you asked me on Friday after I first saw it, I would have told you that, uh, this movie's bloated. Um, <laughs> let me finish the movie. I would have told you the movie's bloated. Um, really really over the top uh the the best scenes are in the first 40 minutes half hour to 40 minutes um and i would have told you that it really really was disappointing um because that's how i felt when i first saw it had time to marinate on it and then i watched it again on saturday and i felt like knowing what was coming helped me this time because i was able to focus more on that and what I know was coming in the scenes and really get get more involved in them. And it was a lot better for me. It was a much better on the second view. It didn't feel as bloated. I Like I said many times, I thought Pascal was better the second time around. Um, the chemistry between Diana and, um, and Steve that I felt was kind of a little bit forced in the first time I saw it worked better for me this time, second time. So the second viewing really helped me uh, appreciate the film more than I did at first. So I'm not going to give it a B plus like you. I'm going to give, going to give it a B minus because I still think that the flaws are enough that, um, could take you out of the movie at certain points. So my grade is a B minus. Okay. Now where do you rank this among the DCEU films? Okay. I'm glad you asked that question. So, I will give you my list of the DCEU films. Number one is the first Wonder Woman movie. I like Wonder Woman. Then I will go Aquaman. Then Man of Steel. Birds of Prey. Shazam. Wonder Woman 84. 
Suicide Squad, Justice League, and Batman vs. Superman. And I have BVS last for the simple fact that my expectations on that film were so high and I was so upset <laughs> when they weren't met. So that's probably more of a me thing than anyone else. But that's why that's my list. Okay. Uh, my list goes as Wonder Woman 2017, Shazam, Aquaman, Wonder Woman 84, Man of Steel, Birds of Prey, BVS, Suicide Squad, and Justice League. And this list changed today. I, I did some rearranging as I was thinking about it, and I, I kind of moved some things around. So <laughs> this list is ever-changing depending on how I think about it. But um, right. I think my top three have been very consistent since their release. Okay. So very um... – Let's just end it on this because we got word yesterday that Wonder Woman 3 has been greenlit um, and they're fast tracking it. So uh, that's a good thing, right? I think we're happy yeah, Patty Jenkins is still involved. And- I've heard that uh, the story is pretty much outlined from Patty Jenkins. Like I, I'm in an interview. She says she has an idea of the story. It might tweak a little bit based on current events, but she has an idea of what she wants. So I think it's just about writing dialogue at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, her and Jeff Johns, I think, have done a great job in the sequel. I think Patty did an amazing job on the first one. So I'm I'm excited to see this trilogy. I, I would love to see where it ends. And, you know, uh, I won't, I'm very curious as to where it goes and who the villain is. I mean, could it be Cheetah? It could be somebody else. I'd, I'd love to explore the possibilities. Yeah, I'm. I was happy to hear that too. I I kind of always knew there would be a third one. I just didn't think it would be coming so fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that we're getting it now, and it's it's in pre production. And I think, right? I think they said it was. Yeah, I mean, I think Patty deserves it. I mean, out of the two movies she's made, I I don't think one of them is a stinker. So I think right. it's well deserved. And uh, I, you know, again, she earned the right to make a trilogy, and uh, I got no problem with them taking it movie by movie. If the third one is better than this one, that's great. If it's as good as Wonder Woman 1, absolutely amazing. And if they feel the need or the want for a fourth story, of the if the third one's successful, then yeah, I'm all for it if they want to continue. So I'm more than happy letting her ride out this franchise as long as she's able to deliver just quality films. Yeah, and I think the good sign from this is that not only did the, uh, did the HBO Max streaming work, the box office for, like we said before, the box office for the Christmas Day release and this weekend was also strong. So I think that's a good sign going forward, not just for this franchise, but for movies going forward. As you guys know, I've been worried about the future of movie theaters, but I think this is a pretty good sign that, hey, maybe, you know, maybe this thing um, will work, whether they do both on release or if even just back to theatrical. I think that people, I think this was proof that people do want to go to the movies. And for me, uh, that was a cool thing. Yeah, I'm not as worried as about the theater. I think they will adapt. I think things will change, but I think people will want to be social and get out of the house. It's going to take some time, and uh, it'll. Ha- but I think it'll happen. You know, I, I don't think movie theaters are going to go out of business. I don't think sporting events are going to come and go. I, 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 things are going to be different for a while, maybe a year or two. But I think at some point things will get back to, to the whatever the new normal is. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, anything you want to plug, talk about, or just uh follow me on social media that's instagram twitter and Zack snyder's favorite vero at pete illustrated 
Uh, check out my reviews of Detective Comics on Batman on Film. Uh, I, I'm reviewing uh, Future State and Dark Detective uh, coming up. Uh, we also have a crossover with the Batman Book Club, a straight out of Gotham uh, Batman Book Club crossover, where we will be talking about the Gotham City section of Future State and all the, the things that are changing now that we're coming out of uh, Dark Knight's uh, death metal and Scott Snyder's uh, mega event. So that's something to look forward to in the new year. Uh, please follow our Facebook page, Straight Out of Gotham, as well as our Facebook group, Straight Out of Gotham, and make sure you check out our Twitter handles for Straight underscore O underscore G, both on Instagram and Twitter. And please don't forget to rate and review our show on iTunes and Apple Podcasts to enter in our monthly contest. It's coming to an end this month. Uh, we have a really awesome giveaway for you guys. So please uh, just write a review. Even if you you hate us and you know if if we don't do a good job, please tell us. And if it's good enough, we'll read it on air, and uh, we'll send you a prize for your sick burn. <laughs> yes, guys. Wow, Pete just said a mouthful there, but yes, everything he said, uh, <laughs> everything he said. Uh, definitely get those reviews in. Uh, you know, again, even like I said, we, even if you don't like us, be creative. T- um, roast us in a creative way, and maybe we'll pick you, and <laughs> you could win the prize pack for that month. Uh, for as for me, as you guys know, you can find me on Twitter at finally thirty three, spell finale thirty three. You can also find me on Instagram with that same handle. Pete mentioned all the Facebook stuff. You can find our Facebook Straight Outta Gotham group page and our Straight Outta Gotham show page. We'll just go over there. Um, there's some good stuff. If you want to be part of the group, just ask for your invite. We will invite you, and you'll answer a few questions, and more than likely, we will accept you. So for Peter Vera, I'm Eric Holzman. You are listening to Straight Outta Gotham. Happy New Year, everyone. Booyah.